Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we talk some OU football by discussing what players need to have a great summer. And then with OU baseball in Omaha, Toby Rowland joins us to preview the College World Series. We finish up giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, June 16th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And the Beats and Bites Festival is rolling, people. Everclear with Sister Hazel and Deep Blue something. June 18th, $5 general admission and kids under 12 get in free. There'll be a ton of food trucks and there'll be all kinds of things for the kiddos to do, including face painting and an inflatable obstacle course to buy tickets, visit riverwind.com riverwind casino, simply the best. Now recording this Wednesday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted, there's a lot, a lot going on in the sporting world right now. A lot, a lot. We got a lot to talk about. Very good stuff happening right now, all over the place. And We've got our man, Toby Rowland, the voice of OU baseball. We've got him for a little College World Series preview. But before we get to that, we'll start with what we always start with, OU football. And this is, this is something we did right about this time last year because summer workouts are up and going. I'm sure that OU's players are having all kinds of fun with Jerry Schmidt and going through those workouts <laughs> But you, you've got a couple of weeks of summer workouts in the books now, and this is kind of a fun topic. Guys that need to have a great summer. And so not necessarily the obvious ones. Like, like clearly, Dylan Gabriel, you need QB1 to have a great summer. 
I, you know, you need him to develop leadership and, you know, you need him to develop chemistry with his receivers, you know, with all the seven on seven sessions and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's obvious, but this is more of a discussion about a conversation about guys that maybe haven't had a significant impact that need to need to make some strides this summer and heading into training camp to where they're contributors or maybe a guy that was a contributor last year, having a great summer and taking that step to become like a true playmaker on the field for the team. So you want to, you want to kick us off, give us your first guy I've got. You'll, you'll be shocked to know that mine all play offense. I know you're shocked. Oh, that is shocking. I wonder if all mine play defense. Yes, they do. Um, I'll go with uh, Jalen Redman. You know, I think he's going to be productive. I think he's, he's done some really good things. I think that uh, whenever you look at him, you say, hey, this guy is going to be, um, he's going to be the number one producer on the, on the defensive line. And that may be the case. But what, this is going to be his fifth year at OU. Spent a lot of time injured. Spent a lot of time playing inconsistent football in the shadows. He, he, he's going to be five years in and has not played to his potential one year yet. So I think it's, and I, I'm kind of talking to myself here because this is something that I just, I, I threw out as a going to happen that it's expected that he's just going to step up and be the dude. And I think that maybe uh, that expectation is really bucking what the trend his entire career has been. He didn't just all of a sudden stumble across a massive amount of talent. It's been there the entire time. So the question is, as a new staff, a new defensive line coach, a new strength coach, been able to help get him closer to his best? Or is it the same thing where it doesn't matter? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. That's, that's my question with Jalen Redmond, which, you know, he's talented enough to, to just be kind of there and play really good football at times and still may be the most productive guy on the defensive line. But is he squeezing absolutely everything he can out of his talent? So far through the first four years, the answer has been, disappointingly, without a doubt, no, he has not. And frankly, I would say that the spring was not good enough and kind of disappointing. So I would say that the summer is almost the last shot you know this game you can't decide all of a sudden uh you know first week of the season your fifth year at OU to say hey now I'm gonna go make some money now I'm gonna turn it on it doesn't work that way he he may be out of time if he flipped the switch right now 
there's maybe too much time that's left to not totally develop yourself to the best of your ability. So I, I think it may be the most crucial summer of anyone on the team for Jalen Redmond. And unfortunately, and I hate saying this, if the past predicts the future, I, I'm scared we get more of the same. I'm, I'm with you. And they need him to be a playmaker, man. And it's, it's probably important to acknowledge, like, he's had some bad luck along the way, right? The blood clot thing, like, that was scary. That was, who, who knows what his career looks like if he doesn't have to go through it. But he's been banged up several times the last couple of years, missed a lot of games. But that that isn't an excuse for, you know, us hearing things like, hey, Jordan Kelly's the most consistent interior guy. Like, he comes to work every single day. We know what we're going to get. Like, they didn't say, they didn't say that about Jalen Redmond. And if he, if he wants to be great, like, especially along the defensive line, like, being a great defensive lineman, a lot of it has to do with being in great condition, right? Being able to play three straight plays at 100% and run to the football and just kind of, you know, raise hell on the field. Right. That you have to be in great shape. And I think, you know, watching him over the last couple of years, he just he hasn't been in great condition. And I, I know there's been some some circumstances that led to that. And it's hard to be in great shape if you're battling injuries. Like I get that. But you know, people want to talk about him being you know, first round, second round draft pick. Man, you gotta show us at some point, right? Like you can't just talk about it. like and he's it, and the frustrating part about him is like the flashes where you're just like, oh my God, look at the power that he can generate and just take an offensive lineman straight backwards. Like that's the that maybe makes it even more frustrating is because you yeah. see those glimpses and you it'd be awfully nice if we just get that guy every snap. I I mean that's but it it all starts with with him deciding that he wants to be great right and that is jerry schmidt is the man that will force him to do that because if you if you don't bring it every day you ain't making it through the summer with him i mean you're just not so yeah i'm i'm interested to see here in about a month kind of what we're hearing about how the summer went for jalen redmond but you're right man it is it's pivotal for him there's no doubt yeah, and I, I, I frankly think that the ceiling of the defense kind of swings on what you get from from Jalen Redmond. You know, if if he flipped a switch and turned into an absolute ass kicker on the defensive line, which he's totally capable of, then that that's a total game changer for the rest of the guys on that on that squad. And not only. I I know he's not a super vocal guy, or at least he, it hasn't seemed that way, right? Being down on the sideline during the games uh, when he's been playing, but your best players, right? And, and I don't think there's any doubt. He's one of the most talented guys they've got on that defense, right? Just pure talent. Man, those, those guys emerge as leaders in the summer, right? And uh, 
you you want your best players to be your leaders. It just it makes it makes everything easier for your team. Yeah, and the most so- physically when you have the most physically gifted guys on your team are the leaders in the summer and back to what you talked about, the most consistent at their position. Now we're talking about something. Yeah. Nobody wants an inconsistent guy. And five years in, whenever people are talking about how talented you are, that's a slap in the face. You know, at some point when people are talking about your talent and how much talent you have, it becomes a slap in the face, right? Because it's all unrealized. Yeah, he, he's got to put it all together, right? And if he can, woo, watch right. out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, my first guy, clearly I have my bias, right? <laughs> I I tend to think that the center position's pretty important. I just so I, I think I think getting high level play, high level leadership, you know, high level communication from your center is the key to a really good offensive line. Right? Just that guy setting the table for that group of five. And then all five of you guys working together to play at a really, really high level. I think that all starts with the center being a leader and knowing everything inside and out and getting everyone in the right place and everyone on the same page. And Andrew Rame, he missed a ton of spring ball, right? Basically the majority of it. He's got to get stronger. He needs to make significant strength gains in the summer. Now, I do think he's had an attitude change. I, I think he's having some more fun. I think he, he's motivated to become a really good player. Like, I, I think he's got the right attitude right now and the right approach. But if this offensive line is going to be any good at all, they, they need him to take a step. Because, listen, Robert Conjol you know exactly what you're going to get from him. He is a serviceable starter at center. But there's glimpses 
of what Rame can be, and he needs to have an absolute dynamite summer when it comes to getting stronger and getting more explosive. Now, the technique work, that also needs a lot of work. Like He's got to quiet down his feet. He's got to get more proactive with his hands. Like He's got to be more disciplined with his eyes. Like There's a lot he's got to work on. But being strong and in good shape and powerful and being in great condition is a great way to start playing center at a high level. Because when you're in great shape, you think better. Like when, when you're not tired as hell all the time, you're processing quicker, you're communicating better. Like life is just easier on the field. So I, I think Andrew Rame having a great summer just might be the most important guy on the team. And maybe it's just because he plays center and I, I know what it takes to play that, that level at a high level or play that position at a high level. But he's got, he's got some raw materials. He's got the nasty you want a guy to have. He just he needs to have a big-time summer when it comes to strength and explosiveness and, and the, that development. And if he does that, I think he's got the right mental makeup. I think he can get you know the grasp that he needs to have on Levy's offense and what he's calling and what he's doing. But the confidence will grow if he's just stronger. Like it'll go. Like everything else will ramp up. Like if you if you feel like you belong physically, that's how it was for me when I knew I could hold my own physically. I, like the mental part of it, that wasn't tough. But when you start building that confidence, like, hey, I can, I can throw some of these guys around. Like, I'm here. Like, I, I belong. That's when everything just starts building. So I, I think it's, it's a massive summer for him. Well, and here's here's something that a lot of people don't think about. There's, there's, um, there's thinking positions on the field, and then there's. Uh, you're kind of told what to do positions on the field and thinking processing is a massive calorie and energy burn. Um, it, it, it requires a lot of energy. So if you are weaker, not in as good of condition, it's going to affect you even more. The strength part you add on is, in, in my opinion, if you are not, there's guys that have to be technically proficient because they're limited in some strength and athleticism, right? That's how I was. And, I wasn't a very strong guy, so it's like I knew my technique had to be really solid because I just wasn't like, I wasn't a weight room strong dude. So like it was, you know, that I, I completely agree with what you're talking about. And, and so imagine being not technically proficient, lacking in strength and conditioning and playing a position that requires thinking and processing that, you know, you're not at, at the premium level yet either experience wise that you have no margin for error ever. That's miserable football when you have no margin for error. 
some guys that are strong as shit are able to pull off things that other guys aren't. You have a bigger margin for error. Some guys that know everything front and back that are um, technically proficient are able to have a bigger margin for error because of those, and they can make up for, for other issues. The goal, obviously, for everyone is to be able to go across the board to be money, but you're exactly right. Like That's probably, if you boiled it down, could probably be the key to the majority of his issues. Yeah, and listen, with the way that they're going to operate offensively, you got to be in great shape because those other guys, the other guys on the offensive line, and remember, when I was playing for Kevin Wilson and I was playing center in that system, like it was my job to be able to play at that tempo and process everything for the other four guys. Like, let me tell you what to do. Just worry about, go get lined up, worry about your technique. I'll tell you where we're going. Like that is on you when you are running offense at the pace they're going to run offense at. To think about it, uh, if you're listening, go out, uh, spike your heart rate through the absolute ceiling, uh, be out of breath, be in oxygen debt, and then try and yell nonstop and try and like put together mental puzzles in your head as you're doing all of that. It's incredibly difficult. I, one of the most underrated things is being able to yell and communicate and get people lined up whenever you're totally roasted. Uh, you know, just like you're, you're totally gone. Um, but you know, the last part of it is technique. Your technique is not like if you're good technique wise, that doesn't mean it, it stays there in the first quarter and it stays there in the fourth quarter. As your energy drops, as your, as your, the fatigue sets in, as you lose a ton of fluids, as the heat pounds in on you, as the bumps and bruises throughout the game pile up, the technique starts to drop, man. So like the best way, to help be to, uh, technically proficient is to be in great shape, man. It's, it's so hard to keep all of that together because it's usually uncomfortable. The great technique is uncomfortable, right? And as you get tired, it gets harder and harder to perform it. Yeah. So no pressure on Andrew Ray. <laughs> <Not at all. laughs> all right. Who's your next guy? Uh, I'm going with Deshaun white, mm. Deshaun white, ton of experience. We know it. He's played a lot of football. We know what we're going to get out of him pretty much game in, game out. And it's not good enough. For his capabilities, in my opinion, it's not good enough. Um, I, I, have, I have high expectations for him. I, I think that he, he can be an excellent backer. He's most of the way there. The problem is he's been most of the way there for a while. My opinion from the outside is it's just too casual, right? Maybe too casual with himself and his own expectations and demands of a self, maybe too casual with the uh, demands and expectations of other players in his room or on his side of the ball or on the team as, as a whole. And 
I'm not saying that you necessarily have to step up and be a vocal leader guy or whatever, but you can be demanding without having to sit there and bark and yell at everyone and be a raw, raw guy and say, everyone, get your hands in here. Let's get a break. Like you don't have to be that guy, but um, I think this is an important, it's, it's, it's kind of the same with Jalen Redmond, just to maybe a lesser degree. He doesn't have nearly the talent of Jalen Redmond. He doesn't have as much left to squeeze out, but I still think that there's more there. I do. Yeah. And I, we'd have to go through and look at snaps played, but you got to imagine he's played the most snaps out of any guy on that defense. Yep. And he, that, I mean, he needs to use that as a strength clearly and then build on it. And you mentioned being casual. There is, I I mean, Schmidt is going to squeeze every ounce he can get out of you and you cannot be casual (laughs) about it. I mean, you just can't. So that is, that's going to be interesting to see what type of summer Deshaun white has like naturally when you're that old, like you, you are in a leadership position on the team and he needs there. There's still, there's still physical gains for him to make. But I think that maybe the, the mindset, like you're saying, is is the biggest thing he could get out of of working with Schmitty in the summer. Like because and there are no excuses. Don't want to hear the complaints. I don't want you to act too cool. Like get it done. Get it done at a high level. Be vocal. Be a leader. Like be the old guy. And I I hope Schmitty gets him to kind of embrace all that. Agree. Yep. Okay. My next guy, this is kind of an interesting one because I, I feel pretty good about where OU is heading into the season wide receiver wise, but I've got Jaden Gibson on my list and I, I don't want to put too much pressure on a freshman, right? But if he can add weight, if he can add mass, what strength, whatever you want to call it, right? He just has a body type that really no other player on the roster has. You start thinking about how he could be used situationally in Lebby's offense, whether it's, you know, as a third down guy moving the chains with that size, as a red zone target. I I think he's more than a jump ball guy. Like, he can run from everything we were able to see in spring, Ted. Uh, And this is how I see it. If if Jaden Gibson's going to be the next star wide receiver at OU. If star wide receivers make plays as freshmen, right? If you're going to be a star, if you're going to be a guy that is a, you know, first round, second round draft pick, right? Those guys produce as freshmen. They do. So that's where I look at him in like clearly little thin, has plenty of room on that frame to add weight, to add muscle, I I expect him to look more like a dude compared to what we saw in the spring, like a full summer with Schmitty. Like that physical development needs to happen, and I think it would just give them a weapon that – and I know Nick Anderson, the kind, kind of similar, but I just think 
Gibson's his length, kind of that bounce that he's got, it can it can bring something that really I don't know if any other player on the roster can bring to the offense. So that's why I think I think it's important that he has a good couple months here. No doubt. CD had a nice freshman campaign. Mims, what broke the, the freshman record for touchdowns, I believe. I mean, we've seen plenty of freshman wide receivers come out and make an impact early. Um, and, you know, CD was a, a great athlete, no doubt. But I don't know that anyone – we really – have we ever even seen a wide receiver that's had the physical tools of a guy like Jaden Gibson? Not – I mean, you think of – I mean, tall and long like that. Uh, no there's I one I'm with. thinking of. Oh my gosh! Uh, he had a couple of he had a couple of plays, and we kept waiting for him to kind of break out, and and it didn't happen. The, the only like big physical wide receiver I like, Dewan Miller, was a guy that I played with. Where yeah. you're like, dang, he had some moments where he was a big physical guy, but he wasn't he wasn't quite as long and as lean as Gibson is but i can't believe i can't think of his name oh I'll, I'll i'll think of it later whenever it's the point is way past but um he's got tools that we haven't seen a whole lot we've seen some big receivers in this conference they just haven't been wearing a ou uniform and it would be awesome to see that on our side for once absolutely all right you got anyone else yeah um i've got two more uh, and i'll hit them kind of quick here I think Stripling uh, needs to have a, a good summer. You know, he's been flying under the radar and, you know, going to practice some through the spring and watching him in one-on-ones, dude, he has some incredible natural pass rushing ability. Um, but he's, he had, there haven't been a whole lot of expectations placed on him. And, you know, with those expectations, and with the, the, the weight of kind of being looked to to be one of the premier pass rushers, I, you've got to kind of change your behavior around the rest of the team and, and start demanding more of yourself, of others, um, stepping into a, a role of, of um, you know, holding people accountable, however you manage that. That's up to each individual guy on how to manage that, but, um, bigger, faster, stronger, and continuing to hone in on those skills, those natural skills that he has, and also being become as familiar as possible with this defense, eliminate all of the other things, thinking, processing, trying to figure out where you're lined up, what your responsibility is trying to eliminate all of those things and unleash your, your physical gifts. Yeah. And I, it, it's a confidence thing also. I mean, he just, he hadn't made a ton of plays in his career, right? What do you have? Like one sack mm -hmm. last year? Didn't, didn't play a ton with the way he played in spring. Like he looked like a different player by the end of spring practice. Like looked like a guy that yep. believed in himself and believe that he can impact the game. So if that confidence carries over to spring, he can, he certainly can add a little more weight, right? He was about 240 ish during spring ball. Um, I, I would prefer him to be 250 ish, but it is, it's going to be interesting to see what he looks like physically, but 
I think just him feeling like he's going to be a key contributor, right? You, you can, you can develop some confidence. You, you can develop some leadership in summer workouts. And if his teammates acknowledge that he's going to be a guy that's going to be a big time contributor, I think the confidence just continues to grow and grow through these workouts. Last one I have quickly, Ethan Downs. Um, my, the guy does absolutely everything that's asked of him. Uh, he plays as hard as he possibly can. Uh, I think he, he needs to, to hone his skills as a pass rusher. But it, step out of the comfort zone of, of, of being like a super nice guy. You can you can still be that, but also make everyone do the same things that you do. Like you're doing everything that's asked of you with a great attitude and with great effort. Okay, that's not enough. Now start getting every single other person on the team to do it with you. And I think that's gonna come for him. Uh he's just going into his true sophomore year, but I I believe this kid could be like uh, who knows how good he could be. That's that's the tools that he has. Yeah, and we we've talked about it. Right, the effort is is exactly what you want. And now it's time to to develop. And it, it, what people may not realize about summer workouts is it's it's not just lifting and running. Like there's a lot of skill development that goes into it. Like you're doing extra work with with the guys in your position group. Like there's there's a lot of other things that you are working on in the summer and and it's time to do things on your own, like yeah, take yeah. an honest evaluation of what your weaknesses and where you need to get better and, and spend that time on your own, some developing. Yeah. And for, for downs, it's, Hey, we don't just be known as the guy that plays really hard, <laughs> be known right. as the guy that plays really hard and has great technique and just throws dudes around because he's always got two hands in their chest and, you know, can, can detach and like all that, be that guy, right? Become a guy that's got three or four go-to pass rush moves. Not don't, don't just be the guy that is running around the field like a maniac, which you definitely don't want that to go away, but it's start. It's time to start refining the toolbox, right? right? It's a great place to start. It's where you want everyone to start. Absolutely. Okay. I got two more. I'll hit them quick. Marcus major. I, I feel like the entire fan base is hoping that Marcus major has great summer. Now, clearly Eric gray, he's, he's reliable back, but when, when you look at majors, physical skill set and how that applies to, you know, kind of this mid zone running scheme that levy loves to utilize like, Major just fits right in, but I think he's plenty fast. I think he's plenty explosive. I think one of the keys for him in the summer, adding some flexibility, right? Adding because, you know, it always seems like a soft, soft tissue thing with him here and there, you know, ankle, like all these different things, like maybe some yoga, some Pilates for our man major, like, not only you're, are you adding explosiveness and strength, but like flexibility and which I think really helps with your durability. So that is also something that Schmidt is huge 
into, you know, stretching those dynamic stretch, all of that stuff. I think that's going to do Marcus major some good. Cause I just want to see the kid healthy, right? I just want to see him play a full season healthy. And I know that's asking a lot for a running back, but I think that, you know, that aspect of things, I know that's probably kind of weird for people to hear, but like, if he can add some flexibility, some stability to where maybe he's not getting nicked up as much. I think that'd be very good for him and for what he does this season. Yeah. I feel, I feel good about that for one reason in the past, it's been okay. And it's been comfortable to be a little banged up. Correct. And to sit out and let's take this practice off. Let's hold you out. And man, you know, my brother, my brother works his tail off. One of the hardest workers I've ever, maybe the hardest workers I've ever known. When the work day starts, my brother does not go in back into the air conditioning. So once you get into the air conditioning and you sit down for lunch and you fill your belly in that nice, cool restaurant or wherever you are, Man, it's hard as hell to get back out there in the sun and get the work done. So once you've rolled an ankle and everyone told you, go sit down, you know, go hang out over there on the side. Um, you're done for the day or you're done for the week. And, you know, there's a couple of guys in front of you. It just becomes really comfortable. And I think it's going to be a lot less comfortable for some of that stuff to continue to hang around. Um, and the other thing is, I, I hope some of this stuff, like, like, like you're talking about with him, I hope he has a great summer and, and is ready to, to come out in the fall because I, speaking as a linebacker, if they're standing the running backs over there and they ask, who do you want to play running back during the game? I'm pointing to Eric Gray. Put him in there. I'm fine with that all day. I, that's okay. I am last one to be picked, Marcus Major. The ball of muscle that runs like, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog. That You don't want to tackle that. You especially don't want to tackle that whenever you're down 10 in the fourth quarter and they've been going up-tempo the whole game and you're worn out. He is the last person on the sideline you want to see jog onto the field. I think he has the potential to be a massive weapon for him. Yeah, and, and my last guy, it, it's all about the potential. I I feel good about everything I've heard about Anton Harrison and Wanye Morris. Like the the attitude adjustment, how invested they are now, the the physical development that they made during spring and they're continuing to make during summer. But you want you want your most talented players on the field. And Savion Bird may just be the most talented guy in that room. And maybe, hey, maybe it's tackle, maybe it's guard. I don't know. But I I think he's arguably the most talented guy in that offensive line room. Now, he's overcome some off-the-field stuff, and I think he's worked through all that. And I really think if he can, if he can have a great summer, if, if Schmitty can mold him and... What's the best way to put it? M maximize toughness. I, I don't know the best way to put it. Like if he can 
he can shift that mentality a little bit and make Savion realize kind of what it takes from a day-to-day standpoint to be great and the type of investment it takes, I think he can be a guy that can be an early-round draft pick. He's got that physical ability. I mean, he does. And when you've got a guy with that physical ability, you've got to get it to translate to the field. You just have to figure it out. And I'm hoping that, you know, this summer is the start of Savion Bird really figuring it out because he's too talented not to, man. He gets this. This is where it starts, Ted. I've I've got faith. I I like it. And I've I've heard the same stuff and a ton of potential. And yeah, I'd like your opinion. It seems like if all of that stuff does like fire into place, this system and what they do, this new running game kind of fits his attitude and skill set quite a bit better, right? Yeah. I mean, he moves really well. I mean, he moves really well. You can just look at him physically. Like, he's thick in all the right places, man. Yep. And it's just, it's the attitude. It's the focus. It's embracing the day-to-day grind that it takes to be great. And if he can do that, Man, I'm just uh, I'm hoping that a summer with Schmitty can can help him develop develop the attitude that it takes. We'll we'll see. All right, for call your shot, we asked you guys what OU player you thought had to have a great summer. This first one comes from Chase Kalaw, C O L A W. Kalaw, Kalaw. I've Kala? never seen that. Kalaw. I don't know. Oh, God, this is already. We haven't even done the birthday <laughs> shout-outs. But he says Marcus Stripling, so he agrees with you, Ted. He says Marcus Stripling, shown flashes of excellence, but has struggled putting it together on the field with consistency. If he makes good progress during summer workouts, I could see him playing a big role in the defense this fall. Chase, we, I mean, we talked about that. We agree. And this other one comes from Kay Rich, who says Javante Barnes. Spring looked easy for him, but a great summer. The one-two punch of Gray and Major might just be a one-punch knockout of Barnes. Yeah. Good point. I, I think he is – He, I think he's got the potential to be a all-around breakout superstar running back um, that we haven't had maybe since uh, Joe Mixon, a guy that can kind of do everything. Not comparing him to Joe Mixon or saying that he – you know just saying that he he's he's got some really good potential and you know here's what i expect and i always expect this from freshmen it's not a barnes thing i expect him to look good early in spring you got one practice you got a day off to kind of process and it's going to be different during training camp in the fall i expect oh yeah <laughs> I expect uh, the first couple of days of camp, hear some great things about Barnes, and then guess what? May not hear very much for a while. And then once you kind of get caught back up with life a little bit, midseason, start to factor back in a little bit and get some carries. Um, it's overwhelming. Now, running back is one of those positions that you can grasp it all and do it all pretty early. Um, and I, I think he's definitely got those capabilities. I would expect by the back half of the season, 
he's he's starting to to be a big factor. Only thing I would say to him, pads down. Get your pads down when you run the football. Other than that, he's got all the natural talent in the world. Yep. All right, birthday shout-outs. Happy fourth birthday to Olivia Harbour. Happy fourth birthday to Carson Dittmore. Happy eighth birthday to Jackson Jernigan. Happy 17th birthday to Brett Hendrickson. Happy 37th birthday to Taylor Jennings. Happy 37th birthday to uh, Joseph Burkhalter. Happy 50th birthday to Tracy Kaltenbacher. Happy 72nd birthday to Gary Keener. And happy 42nd anniversary to Jerry and Shirley Kentner. That's a lot. 42 years, man. Whoa. Hey, we had a, a solid group of easily pronounceable names there. Uh, don't huh? jinx it, man. Don't, <laughs> jinx, don't jinx it. All right, let's preview the College World Series with our man Toby Rowland. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, Go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use our promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all of the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. All right. Let's talk some college baseball with our man, Toby Rowland. It is our pleasure to be joined by the voice of OU baseball. Yeah, he's also the voice of pretty much OU everything, except for softball. Plank, they, they, no. still, they still give Plank that. T-Row, what's up, man? How we doing? I'm good. How are you, fellas? I'm great, actually. I'm in Omaha. I can't complain either, man. I, hey, uh, I'm excited about this. This is awesome. Um, my son's been up there in Skip Johnson's baseball camp. I think he got to meet some of the players today before they had their final practice and uh, headed up to Omaha. So life is good, man. 
Life is great, guys. I mean, um, I grew up watching this College World Series my whole life. I love it. I don't know. What, I guess it was because it was summertime and and I was home and you could always, you know, it was on the TV. I love baseball, but uh, never been. I've never been to the College World Series. And I had an opportunity a couple of times in the last 10 years to come up here with friends. And I said, I'm not doing it. I'm not going until Oklahoma's in it. So I'm like a kid in a candy store this week. This is, uh, I can't get the grin off my face. So before we talk about kind of OU's path to Omaha, what is, what's the agenda looking like? I assume you get the invite to all the team events and everything as the voice of the team. So what is like, what, what kind of stuff is, is going on around uh, clearly, you know, Friday is the most important thing with game one against A&M, but what what's what events do you are are you going to? So there's a there's some sort of an opening dinner tonight uh, that we're going to. Tomorrow is a practice in the morning, so they'll go over to the stadium and practice, and they'll also have a chance to take like official team photos. Each player, the whole team, like you know, look at me, I'm at the College World Series kind of stuff. And then tomorrow night's the big night. They have an opening ceremony, kind of like an Olympics would. And they, I, I think they get thousands of people. I don't know if they pack the stadium. I think they pack the stadium. And each team comes out one at a time from the bullpen parade style. And they have all these videos. And and uh, it's a really cool thing. Fireworks and every So, and then the baseball starts on Friday. Um, and that's what I know at this point. I know that there's all kinds of planning going on with the OU clubs of all these areas. Nebraska and everybody's having get-togethers on the days off or or after the games. They're having big parties, the team hotel. So it's kind of like, I mean, imagine a bowl game. We've got a centralized hotel here, the Hilton downtown in Omaha. That's where the team's staying. That's where all the fans try to stay for OU, and that's where the party's at. If you're an OU fan, you come to the Hilton, everybody's hanging out together um, and, and going to the games together. So I don't know. Again, it's my first time. So I'm about to learn how it all works, but um, it's really well organized. I mean, this is what Omaha is known for. So from the pickup at the airport to the dinners, to the hotels, to the arrangements, this is first class. It's pretty cool. So how was the travel? You know, the, you, you travel with this team. Um, and I, as this thing has built momentum, and, you know, the team closed out the season the way they did and then the Big 12 tournament and um, you're on the road for a regional, then you're on the road for a super regional, and now you're on the road for the World uh, Series. What's been like the demeanor of the team? Has, have you noticed, are they the same? They flat or not, not flat, but, you know, the same type yeah. of uh, attitude or was there like this? Oh my God, I can't believe where we're headed right now. What, what has happened the last four weeks? Yeah, I would say in general, there has been all season long kind of a uh, us against the world ticked off mentality to them. Um, we're better than everybody realizes. That's kind of just the, the baseline mentality they've had all year long, but they don't get, real high and they, they don't certainly don't get down. Uh, I think Skip Johnson deserves a lot of credit for that. You know, they didn't dogpile after they won the super regional, they jumped around together, but there was no like dog, you know, the famous dogpile pictures that you see. Um, I think they just, 
They're pretty even kill. And the whole season they have felt like, you know, we were picked sixth in the Big 12 preseason poll. Um, when the postseason awards came out, OU had six guys on the all-conference teams. That's first, second, and honorable mention combined. Uh, Oklahoma State had 12. Texas Tech had 11. Texas had 11. They've, they've kind of just generally felt disrespected. They thought they should have had a regional host because of the way they ended and didn't. And, uh, and they've just plugged away. So there's been kind of a quiet irritation, I would say, about them all year. They also have, and you mentioned all the road trips, they've kind of thrived away from home. Uh, they've played their best baseball here in the second half of the season in other people's ballparks. And you guys can speak to it better than I could. I don't, there's something about sometimes it seems to me in following teams, um, a togetherness that happens when you're on the road, hotels and buses and airports and things like that, and uh, eating together and, and everything. And they've been on the road forever. They've been on the road for a month now. They finished the season in Lubbock. Last, they went from there to Arlington. They went from there to uh, Gainesville for the regional. They went from there to Blacksburg for the super and from there to Omaha. So we were at uh, Mitchell Park today for the send-off. And it's, I walked in. I was like, this is weird. It's the first time we've been at Eldale Mitchell Park in forever. So I think that's a little of the secret sauce for them is that, one, they're, they're, they feel disrespected, and two – They've really gotten tight and really gotten close, and they like each other. And you guys know that's not always the case with the team. But these guys really like each other. They hang out. They like watching baseball. I've been around a lot of teams that love to play their sport but don't necessarily like to watch it, whether it's a football team or a basketball team. They'll go play video games or do what play cards or do whatever, but they don't care about watching the other NCAA tournament games. But this team – watches baseball all the time when they're not playing they're watching other regionals and other super regionals or the OU softball team so I don't know they got a really cool spirit to them and I think that's obviously one of the reasons they've gotten this far yeah that that bond that togetherness it's it's so important but from a from a baseball standpoint right from what you've seen on the field in the NCAA tournament, T-Row, what, what do you think this team is doing best heading into Omaha? Like, what do you think the true strength of OU baseball is right now as they head into the World Series? I think for the majority of the season, it was their offense. Um, they pitched it okay. But Reggie Willits came in this year from the New York Yankees. Former Sooner was a – a base stealer, really good player, played for the Angels for several years, has been first base coach like Teddy is. He's been a first base coach for the New York Yankees <laughs> for several years. You guys have a lot in common, Ted. And, uh, oh, you got him to come home. And it was a huge get. He wanted to be with his family. He's got a ranch out uh, near Chickasha, and he's been, he's been put in charge of the offense. And Skip just basically handed it over to him and said, I trust you. Reggie and Clay Van Hook have installed a high-powered, mostly small ball, a lot of stealing bases, hit and run, not a lot of power most of the time. And they've been dynamic offensively this year. For most of the season, the offense has, has carried them. 
and it's continued to play well in the NCAA tournament, but the pitching has come along here late in the season to add to that. So you've got Jake Bennett at the top of the rotation. He's been great. He's been their Friday night guy all year. David Sandlin was just okay as their number two guy most of the season. Then, bam, second half of the season, he's come on like gangbusters. And Cade Horton, uh, who was from Norman High, uh, coming off Tommy John surgery, couldn't even pitch until midway through the season. And they slowly brought him along, just like a few pitches out of the bullpen, then a couple of innings, then into the rotation. And now by the end of the season, he's full go. He's a guy that can go 100 pitches for you in a start. And he's been awesome. And he has been the starting pitcher in the Big 12 championship game against Texas. He was the starting pitcher in the the final game against Virginia Tech in the Blacksburg Super Regional. He's been nailed. And Trevin Michael has moved into the closers role as the season's gone along and been remarkable. Nobody knew who Trevin Michael was when the season started. Came from Lamar. He's a a transfer portal guy, super senior, and has been not only great, but he's he's got the attitude of a closer and, and everybody just loves him. So the pitching game has come together to be as dynamic as the offense. And so, you know, when you can score runs like they can, and now they're holding teams to three, four runs a game, that's going to result in a lot of wins. And so I think that's, that's kind of what's happened for them. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, a lot has been made over the years about the ballpark. It's a huge park. Um, You know, there's not a whole lot of home runs hit. Um, I guess Eldell Mitchell's one of the few teams, or or OU plays at their parks, one of the few parks that, is the same size or maybe uh, maybe even bigger. But you mentioned the offense. It's not a power-driven offense. So everyone keeps saying that this is a like a, a, a pitcher's park. But if you're an offense that's not driven off of home runs, is it beneficial? Is it an advantage for them to play in a big yeah. park like this? Yeah, this is a good park for OU. It, it plays big. Uh, a lot of times the prevailing wind at Charles Schwab field where the college world series is comes in. And that, that should be the case, at least according to the forecast this week and the wind's going to be blowing in. They've made some effort because the old Rosenblatt stadium was a band box. A lot of home runs were hit at Rosenblatt. They built the new stadium and uh, nobody could hit it out. And it was, you know, college baseball fans didn't like it very much. It was a lot of one nothing and 2-1 games. So they've made some efforts in recent years to bring the fences in a little bit, try to make it more offensive. And they have. So it's not, it's not as uh, spacious and big as it used to be. But it still plays big. It's a pitcher's park. And I think that definitely works to OU's favor. We've seen home run hitting teams, teams that live off the three-run homer, repeatedly come to Omaha 
and and not have much success here. Texas Tech's the prime example. Texas Tech every year is a bunch of mashers, um, and they come to Omaha and flame out every year. The teams that can run, the teams that uh, find gaps, find the lines, doubles, triples, steal bases, hit and run, can produce offense without having to hit a home run, have tended to excel in this stadium through the years. And that's exactly what Oklahoma is. Now, there's some other teams here like that. Notre Dame's like that. Um, There's some teams on the other side of the bracket that are like that, too. They're not the only one. Texas A&M, honestly, is a lot like that, too, who we'll see in game one. Texas is a home run hitting team. So I'll be curious to see. They're really good. But they've got a hundred and some odd home runs this year. They they live for that. Ole Miss is a home run hitting team, so those teams uh, have tended to struggle through the years. On paper, it looks like the ballpark's a good match for what OU does. You you mentioned A and M, right? Uh, game one. How do you how do you feel about OU's draw? How do you feel about that side of the bracket? Well, one, it's wildly entertaining, right? I mean, you've got. Uh, Texas and Texas A&M on this side of the bracket. So there's going to be a whole lot of hate in the stands between those three schools. Uh, Giggum and, and uh, Hookum and, and Boomer soon are all together. And Notre Dame, Notre Dame just knocked off Goliath. Notre Dame might be playing the best baseball of anybody. They just beat, you know, Tennessee in this tournament was the equivalent of what Oklahoma was at the softball tournament. They had one of the greatest years, maybe the greatest year in college baseball history and got knocked out in the Supers in their own park. So everybody that's left feels like, hey, man, this thing is up for grabs because it was just it was there were a lot of talks in college baseball circles. Would you take Tennessee or the field this year? And a lot of people said Tennessee. That's how dominant they were. And Notre Dame went into Knoxville and knocked them off. So even though they're not. They don't have a number next to their name. They might be the most dangerous team on this side of the bracket. But, you know, we've seen Texas. They're really good, but Oklahoma knows what they are. They know how to pitch to them. Same could be said for Texas. They know everything about Oklahoma. I think this first matchup is fascinating. It's vital to try to get into the winner's bracket on these things. And Texas A&M, in a lot of ways, mirrors Oklahoma. They got hot second half of the season. Not a lot was expected from them this year. Um, and they, they've just kind of done it with uh, offense most of the season. They've just outscored teams, not necessarily by hitting a ton of home runs, but they, they take a lot of pitches. They work a lot of walks. They hit and run. They steal bases. They're a little, in a lot of ways like Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma will have a, a pitching matchup with A&M on Friday. Jake Bennett against their guy, I give, I give OU the edge. But their bullpen is dynamic. They've got the better bullpen. And they're not afraid to turn it over to them early in the game if they need to. So it's a very interesting matchup. Texas A&M's been a really sloppy defensive team this year. And we'll see if that costs them. But um, it's, a, it's a good matchup. It's a fun side of the bracket. All these teams are good. But there's going to be a lot of familiarity, at least with three of the four teams, um, you know, that are in Pool A. This is really the last one I have for you. You mentioned A&M was a lot like Oklahoma and kind of caught fire the second half of the season. Whenever you look at Oklahoma, a lot of times there's an event 
that's kind of the catalyst. Can you point to anything, uh, a loss, a play, an injury, just like one thing, yeah. whenever you look back at it, it was like this moment that maybe at the time it, it didn't seem significant, but as the <laughs> momentum built, you look back and say, that's when it happened. Yeah, there were uh, three or four things that all happened right in the same point of the season. OU went out to Lubbock, Texas, or to Amarillo, Texas, and beat Texas Tech in a midweek game right after a, a disappointing bedlam loss. Uh, it's hard to beat Tech. Wind was blowing out about 45 miles an hour that night, and OU outslugged them. They didn't just beat them. They outslugged them. 14 to 9, I think, was the final of that one. And everybody kind of said, hmm, okay, that was about midway through the year. At the same time, John Spikerman was added to the team. John Spikerman didn't play the first half of the year. True freshman. He had a back injury. I didn't even know he was on the team. Get a lineup one night, and there's a guy named Spikerman in the lineup, but I thought they made a mistake. I thought they put somebody from the other team on our lineup. So I called down to the dugout, and I said, I think you guys got the wrong guy and left. And they said, no, we're playing Spikerman tonight. I said, who's John Spikerman? I've never heard of him before. <laughs> Halfway through the season. And uh, they said, well, he just got healthy. We're going to give him a shot tonight. He's been their leadoff guy the second half of the year. I think they're now 16-3 and three or 17-3 and three with him as leadoff. He's a beast on the bases, man. Wallace Clark did not play the first half of the season, hardly at all. Freshman from Holland Hall. Right around the same time, they're having some problems defensively. They give Wallace Clark a, a pinch hit at bat late in the game that was out of hand. Let's just give the guy on the bench an at-bat. You know, he hadn't had one in a while. He works like a 12-pitch walk and was a great at-bat. Next day, they start him at third base, kind of as a reward. Unbelievable plays defensively at third. Hasn't been out of the starting lineup since then. He's been remarkable. And he's hit, too, in addition to being great defensively. Brett Squires got healthy right around the same time. Big bopper in their lineup. He was injured. Kendall Pettis got the brace off his elbow. You know, he had been injured and, and uh, he had a big bulky brace on his left elbow. He got that off and he took off. Cade Horton, I just mentioned, got added. So about the halfway point of the season, they go get a big win against a team that is an Omaha quality team like Texas Tech. And they go, huh, maybe we're pretty good. And here comes the cavalry of reinforcements. Spikerman, Wallace Clark, Cade Horton, Brett Squires, a healthy Kendall Pettis. And boom, they just kind of ignited right there in about a one-week stretch. All of that happened. And from that point on, they never lost. They never lost another weekend series. They won a non-conference series. They, won, they beat Kansas on the road, swept them. They beat Kansas State. They went to TCU and won. They beat West Virginia. They went to Texas Tech and won in Lubbock. Nobody does that. They swept through the Big 12 tournament. Then they went to Gainesville and Blacksburg. Haven't lost a single series since that moment. So I wouldn't say, Ted, it's one thing, but it's a four or five things that happened in a very short period of time that kind of served as an explosive device for this team to take off. T-Row, one more, and we'll let, we'll let you get to your uh, your fancy kickoff dinner. <laughs> I get kickoff. That's is that's still the right first, term, yeah. right? First, I think it would be a first pitch dinner. First, first <laughs> pitch know. dinner there yeah. in Omaha. What, what does this run say about 
Skip Johnson? I think it's validation. You know, Skip's been to Omaha three times as a pitching coach. He was living in the shadow of Augie Garrido at Texas. Large shadow. Maybe the biggest. Augie Garrido was the Patty Gasso of of baseball. And Skip was his right-hand man as a pitching coach. Everybody knew Skip Johnson knows what he's doing with pitching. But what about as a head coach, you know? And the first four years at OU had been good, but not great. They got to the NCAA tournament, didn't get out of the regional. Looked like the 2020 year was going to be a special one, and then COVID came along. And he really needed a good year this year. They they needed to get back to the NCAA tournament for him. And for it to, you know, not only did they get back, for but for them to be in Omaha is really I'm so happy for him to have this moment where it is him in the spotlight and everybody getting to realize, you know, what a fabulous head coach he is. He's not, you know, he's not Brent Venables or Porter Moser. He's not one of these guys that's going to, you know, jump around and be real animated and get kicked out of games. Uh, He just kind of quietly leads his team. And he has empowered his other coaches. He really hired well. The Reggie Willits hire was fantastic. And he empowered him to say, run the offense. I'm going to handle the pitching. You run the offense along with Hook. And obviously the buck stops with Skip. They're going to check with him on lineups and things just to get him to sign off on it. But they're in charge of that. And Skip handles the pitching and is the CEO of the team in a quiet way. He just kind of goes about the same thing. And he's the same every day, man. I mean, I think that's really good in baseball when there are so many ups and downs. He doesn't get too excited. He doesn't get too down. And he tells you his fishing stories and his hunting stories. And he's just a good old boy. And it's kind of impossible not to like him. So back to your question. I think it's validation for him that, He's a great baseball coach, not just a great pitching coach. And he is so well-liked in the sport. I mean, within 30 minutes of them winning that Blacksburg Super Regional, he had 350 text messages from other coaches in the business who were were texting him to congratulate him because he's been so intertwined from the JUCO level to the collegiate level to guys in pro ball, all the guys he works with in the major leagues. He's so beloved that everybody's happy for him to achieve this. That's awesome. Toby Rowland, you, sir, are the man. Have a great call in Omaha. and Thank you. Bring us home another national championship while you're there, man. That I would mean, be you're cool. there. Might as well come home with it. Get, let's get the softball-baseball double. How cool would that be? Awesome. That'd be awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. See you, T-Row. I, I get the feeling that T-Row is fired up to be in Omaha. Awesome. Awesome. Great atmosphere. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of good teams there. I think Oklahoma has a legitimate shot. I, what do I know? Um, but they've been so much fun and I can't wait for this whole thing to continue. I'm like, I like Toby's idea that the diamond sports sweep softball and baseball would be amazing. That. That would be amazing. And I hope, I hope it's what we get. I'm a little nervous for OU baseball. This is, I mean, this is the most invested I've ever been in OU baseball. So I'm excited. A little nervous though. Timing's great though. Um, I, I, the 
position to really capitalize off of this facility upgrades coming, uh, move to the SEC coming. Uh, this is it's a big moment for Skip Johnson and those guys. Yeah. All right. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, it's time to get back out on the golf course, people. And there's nothing better to drink on the course than the number one seltzer in golf, Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious. It tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for the golf course either. They're perfect to drink by the pool, after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. The variety pack is out. I love the grape. I've heard the orange is fantastic. To find a place near you that has clubbies, visit clubbyseltzers.com. And attention, business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Uh, I'm going with Zach Collier. Zach Collier was uh, scheduled to sing the national anthem at the Baseball World Series. Um, that has been now denied by, uh, officials there after he flashed the horns down during the women's college world series, Longhorns, uh, Cowboys game, um, no longer has the invitation to come sing the national anthem. Well, why is he the winner? Well, singing the national anthem for money i can't imagine it's a super lucrative deal whenever you can get you know all kinds of local talent to probably do it for free uh but it's a way to get a little bit of notoriety for yourself he's going to get more notoriety out of this deal not singing it than any national anthem he's ever sang before and you know someone flashing the horns down during a moment like that they get my respect i I had a feeling that had a lot to do with it <laughs> because I know I saw the story and I was like, love that guy. <laughs> love this guy. Love this guy. Now, if you're a Texas fan, I could understand maybe. And I wonder if this part of me wonders if this happens, if Texas wasn't in it. Right. But Texas is in it. Right. They, they made it. You so, know, yeah. it's Texas calling and complaining again, like they always do. Um, hey, I'll, Josie, open invitation to this guy to sing the national anthem at all OU events uh, whenever we're hosting the Longhorns. That's that's what I say we do. I I think we should have this guy sing the national anthem for the opener. 
I agree. I'm you, down with you that. You deaf in town. Let's get the horns down. National let's anthem go. guy. Like, let's just let's just keep this thing rolling. Now he is an A and M fan, oh. so that does change things a bit. Uh, just a little bit. I mean, it changes them a lot of bit. I mean, come on, I man. I know. But still, uh, the enemy of what the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Is that the saying? I think that, so. Yeah. Is that right? I think yeah. that sounds wrong. The enemy of my enemy is my enemy. Uh, I I remember saying that, but I think people have always changed it and put their own spin on it. So I don't know what the original is. Listen, I like the guy more for throwing the horns down, even if he is an A&M guy. There we go. How about that? Uh, no doubt. I, I love it. I thought it was great. And like I said, more notoriety out of this than any national anthem he's ever saying, unless he just totally screws it up. Yeah, and it'll it'll make him a legend forever. I mean, That's people right. will always love telling that Aggie story. legend. Aggie legend. Gross. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? I had to go with Miami. All of the NIL talk, all of the stuff about AM and USC and all these schools tampering and perhaps offering deals uh beforehand. In inducements to come play and Miami's the first one that the NCAA goes and has an official sit down. Now I, you can't say that it's necessarily a, an investigation when Miami was asked about it, they said that, you know, per NCAA rules and in order to maintain the integrity of the review, the university cannot comment on specifics of the matter but they went to miami john ruiz the local billionaire who's been dumping a bunch of money in had him come in to sit down and have a discussion with a couple of ncaa representatives um it's interesting that the miami is the first place we hear of it 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 makes a lot of sense right because remember the nigel pack thing is what kind of has set this whole massive discussion about NIL off with him going from Kansas state to, to Miami and Ruiz putting the dollar figure out there, like for everyone to know, I, I imagine that John Ruiz does not give two shits what the NCAA thinks. <laughs> I know he doesn't. <laughs> and I know that I've, I've been trying to follow. I mean, he took one of his companies public and I think that the stock has tanked. I don't know what that means for his, personal wealth. I can't imagine it's anything good, but he, he doesn't seem to have many concerns. And I read that Ross Dellinger article there at SI and his quote says, I have nothing to hide. <laughs> like He's like, okay, come on. It's yeah. I love this is, this is kind of what we knew was coming though. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of this. I just, I don't think any of these big money people are going to be scared of the NCA. Well, now you don't want to hurt your school, right? That's, that's obvious, right. but I don't think John Ruiz is losing any sleep tonight. Like his lawyers are like, all right, let's do this. Here's the thing though. And this is why I thought it was, it was a bit frustrating for me because he's a legitimate business owner, right? And under the, under the rules, like he can sign guys to endorsement deals to his business. I mean, that that's legitimate. 
the collective thing to me is like that's the part of the nil rule that is not the spirit of what this thing was intended to be like this is basically uh a collection of money. Let's find a collection of money, pay these guys and find something for them to do a little bit different than signing someone to an endorsement deal, but I don't know. We'll see if something comes of it. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first, first fidelity bank is a full service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You've got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In fact, I drank some in Hawaii last night. Ooh. Year-round, tropical environment, and it went that? down real good, Ted. It went down real good. Balcones Single Malt, back in 2012, people. It won the best in glass competition, beating Browns like Johnny Walker, beating brands. Did I say Browns? <laughs> beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners, yes, they're from Oklahoma to find a liquor store that has it. Visit balconesdistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the week, thought about going with the NHL, man. Stanley Cup Finals, awesome. Game one going on right now as we record this. The Colorado Avalanche have a 2-0 lead over the Tampa Bay Lightning, but I just – you actually, oh, wow, Tampa Bay just scored 2-1. How about that in the first? There you go. So, I, but the Stanley Cup Final is uh, – those games, the drama, like the tension – it's awesome. I love watching playoff hockey, but the Avalanche are red hot, scoring all kinds of goals. Lightning, they've been kind of the comeback kings in these playoffs, going for a three-peat, which doesn't happen very often in professional sports anymore, and it just it should be awesome. I love the drama. Sign me up. Best trophy in sports. Can't wait. I love it. Um, the Avalanche is, is really cool. It's kind of a throwback for me with the Avalanche. It's when I first started following hockey. Patrick Waugh, Adam Foote. You mean Patrick uh, Roy? <laughs> uh, I, this is awesome. And I'm with you. Playoff hockey is really cool. I wish we had a team locally to where 
I could follow it closer because as much stuff is going on, it's hard to add NHL to the mix also. Yes, I, I agree. And this is one thing you'll love. And I read this, uh, the athletic does this like newsletter that I, that I read this morning and uh, a guy named Pat Maroon for the lightning. He's, he's from St. Louis and he, so Stan Kroenke, so the Kroenke's own the Avalanche, right? Same team, same people that own the Rams. And he was like, I can't stand Stan Kroenke because they moved the Rams from St. Louis to LA. I loved it. I was like, that's, nice. that's just looking for any angle to be angry heading into the series. So it should, should be fun. If you, if you haven't watched playoff hockey, if you haven't watched the Stanley Cup final before, do it. You're not going to regret it. But my winner of the week, and I'm hoping – I'm hoping this is this is the start of good news for Baker Mayfield because several reports out there, trade talks between the Browns and Panthers are back on and ongoing. Uh, main issue clearly is still how much of Baker's salary will be paid by the Browns. But, Ted, it is encouraging that the talks have renewed. Please free Baker Mayfield, Cleveland, let the man leave, do it, pay the chunk of the salary that the Panthers want you to pay. Just do it. Let him move on. That would be nice. What do you think? What do you think the play is for Carolina here? Um, They don't believe in Sam Darnold. I'm guessing, right? I feel like I, and I know they drafted Matt Corral, but who cares? Right? Like this is, what, what do you think? Because if, if you're Matt ruled, like his job's on the line this season, probably. So that's something he, he wants to upgrade at the quarterback position. Remember they hired Ben McAdoo as the offense coordinator there in Carolina. You talk about a guy who probably has a chip on his shoulder after the way things went for him when he was the head coach there in, in New York for the giants. I, I think they're just trying to make an upgrade at the quarterback position so they can keep their jobs. Yeah. Here's what I think it is. I think it's a, they like Matt Corral. What they've seen from him, they really like him. Think he's the future. But it may be difficult to, he's a guy that's been injured. The way he plays, it could be hard to coach that out of him early. You need a bit of an insurance policy there. And you can cut. Sam Darnold, keep Baker. You're going to get him. I don't know how much Cleveland's going to pick up of his guarantee, but it's going to be a lot. And you're go- only going to have him on a one-year deal. And you can have a pretty cheap quarterback room and just have Baker for one year as an insurance policy. And maybe even he, he starts off as your starter, and we've seen how it goes. You wait for the the young guy to really settle in before you start to, to hand over the torch. That's what I think. I, I guess there's also the chance that they see the potential for a long-term investment also, which, you know, that's how Baker's going to approach it as a tryout for that. And it's, it's not like they picked Corral in the first round, right? And they drafted third? him in, in the third. Yeah. Like the 94th pick or something like that. So if, he doesn't end up being your franchise guy, then so be it. Like if, if you get Baker and he ends up being everything you want him to be, 
and he's steady and reliable. It's like, all right, Matt Corral, you know, backup quarterback as a third round pick. If he ends up being a good backup, like, you know, sometimes, sometimes it happens. So I didn't Darnold sign a, didn't he sign another deal? Does he have he, several years on his? He doesn't have, I'd have to look up his contract, but he's not locked in for like multiple years at a big number or anything like that. Okay. Like, I, I don't, I don't think, cause I, I feel like we would remember because we both would have been like, um, why would they do that? I mean, his, I, I'm sure he's making solid money. But I don't yeah. think he, it's not like he's he's probably making somewhere. It's probably about the same as Baker, right? They're yeah. drafted the same year. Yeah, he's not making like forty. He's he's definitely under twenty. He's got the same exact. He's due eighteen point eight. Yeah, and if if you're the Panthers, right? If you think about hey, you're paying Baker. Let's say that Cleveland picks up half, right? So, or let's just call it that. Say Cleveland plays. 10 of his 19. Well, then you're still only paying Darnold and Baker, you know, 27, $28 million. You compare that to what some of these other guys are making. Like it is what it is. Like it's not that big of a deal. It is interesting though, because you really can't cut Darnold because that 18 million is just like Baker's fully guaranteed. Yeah. I, but I, I think you, you bring him in getting a two for one. Yeah, you know, let them battle it out. On how much you get Cleveland to pick up? No, I I completely agree. All right, but my loser of the week thought about going with Miles Michaelis, no hitter through eight and two thirds inning against the Pirates the other night. Two strikes on Cal Mitchell gives up a double to center field and it goes right over the center fielder's glove. It was close mm. Ted, but the, and this is the read. Like I respect the hell out of him. He threw like 129 pitches. He wanted it. He went and tried to get it. None of this. Oh, take me out. Save my arm. No, no, no. Michaelis wanted the no hitter gives up the hit on the two strikes. Bottom of the ninth, two strikes game over. It gives up a hit with two strikes. Just how about brutal. how about Cal Mitchell uh, not yielding anything? Respect that as well. I I respect brutal. that. But my my loser of the week, man. And I, I'm really not sure if they're winners or losers. I think they're both. But just golf, right? Because we got all kinds of stuff going on right now. You got NBA Finals. You got Stanley Cup Final. You got Major League Baseball. Right, seasons rolling. I mean, there's there's soccer, there's all every there, everything except for football is going on. It, it feels like, and golf is getting a ton of coverage, and it's not necessarily about the U.S. Open at the Country Club there outside of Boston. And you know, normally maybe we'd be talking about how that course is one of the oldest courses in the country, and we'd be talking about the betting lines, right, with Rory maybe overtaking Scheffler as the favorite in some books, like stuff like that, ROM, all this stuff. But instead, we're talking about live golf versus the PGA Tour. And I personally, I am enjoying the hell out of it. Like Rory McIlroy throwing shade at all those guys. Like, I love it. Did you see John Rom's speech? It was like two minutes. No. 
I saw some of the notes from it. It, I first of all, I had one encounter with John Rom. Guy was awesome. I will always be a John Rom fan because now, of the. Did like, you take your drive over into his fairway, or did he? Isn't that what was that what happened? It. Listen, my drive was a little right off the tee. Okay, pal. <laughs> okay. No, hey, but he. I've done that a billion times, so I yes, got. No, I'm not saying. I, I will say just from that encounter, like John Rom, uh, was was a nice guy to me for you know a couple minutes, and I I was just like oh I like that guy I root for him, but hearing him, hearing him talk about how important like the tradition of golf is, and competing against the best is, and how he he straight up was like hey 54 holes with no cut that's not a golf tournament to me, that's not he's like that's that's not it. And he also said that having $400 million wouldn't change his lifestyle at all, which I was like, wait, hold on. What, what is that? Did they offer you $400 million? Is what? Well, he's probably has a hundred million. I mean, I think he's probably right. Yeah. But if he's, but if he's like a, a Taylor Gooch or someone who has struggled, struggled to have traction on the PGA tour and nothing is ever guaranteed, that'd probably be a different answer. Yeah. And that's, but I, I liked hearing what he had to say and it's not, I, I don't think he was, I don't think any of these guys are like mad at the live golf guys, maybe a little disappointed, but I do think people that, that really love watching golf and, and love certainly the majors that they're a little disappointed that the live golf versus the PGA tour. And those guys like Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson and those guys that are playing in the U S open, like that that's overshadowing the event. Right. I I think that is, that's annoying. A lot of people. Yeah. I, I get that. Give me the drama, Ted. It's overshadowing, shadowing the event though, because of the PGA. Yeah. You know, they're the ones that have made the big, the big fuss over and I, I get like Rory and John Rom, they really have, they got beef with the wrong people. Like, I guess like Dustin Johnson and DeChambeau, okay, fine. But most of the other guys, they're not going to win majors, right? They're, they're scraping by. For the most part, those guys don't have the massive, endorsement money it's not it's kind of like whenever whenever i I tell people that i played in the nfl they're shocked that i'm not as rich as peyton manning like not everyone on the pga tour makes as much money as those as those guys it's a different decision for most of the guys that are playing on that tour than it would be for Roy McIlroy, right? For Rory, you've got opportunity to compete. You make millions upon millions of dollars. Same with John Rom. Like most of the other guys, they're not in that position anymore. If they were in the position of John Rom and Rory McIlroy, they wouldn't be playing in the, that tour either. They'd be playing in the PGA. So that's where I think things kind of get a little bit crossways, but at the end of the day, I think you're right. Um, anytime people are talking about golf, it's going to be a good thing. 
especially when Tiger Woods is, you know, not competing, you know, every major to win the thing on Sunday, like they need something to get some attention. Yeah. No, I, I bet they'll have one of some of the better ratings that they've had recently. Yeah. I, I think people are, are just going to want to see, like, I, for one, I'm just going to want to enjoy the awkwardness of it. Yeah. And who knows? Uh, we all saw what the PGA, you know, did when it came to suspending those guys that went and played. Is this the last major that some of those guys are going to be able to play it? Like, that decision, I assume it's coming quickly. I, what if one of them wins it? If that's the it, perfect it'd be incredible. result, isn't it? <laughs> it's a perfect result. It'd be amazing. Like it, and I would love to see Rory McIlroy's <laughs> press conference after the fact if Dustin Johnson goes and wins the U.S. Open. Dust, I hope Dustin Johnson beats Rory in a in a Monday playoff. That would be. Full round. Could you imagine? Awkward the entire 18. <laughs> I I think I think best case scenario, worst case scenario, depending on how you want to look at it. DeShambo somehow <laughs> figured out how to win would be, oh my gosh. Or Patrick Reed. Oh. Yeah, final three or final what uh two pairings, Rory with DeShambo and uh Dustin Johnson with John Rom. Did, did you see the, the news about Jordan Spieth? I did not. He left the, the practice area with saying he didn't feel good. Uh Uh-oh. So yeah, I knew I'd see that look on your face because your favorite thing is rooting against him. What what happens if you don't even get him? Cause he's sick, Ted. Uh, I don't want that. I don't want him to not play. I want him to play and play horribly. I hope he's okay. (laughs) I love you. All right. (laughs) I love you. On that note, episode 223 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have a fantastic weekend. And until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, okay? Take care of each other. Just one more time.